We certainly have some themes to discuss, and with me now, George Sillis, contributor across our TD Ameritrade network. Glad you're with us because we have plenty to discuss here, large swings in the markets. Overall, uh, we've seen some strong returns for the third year in a row for the major averages. Uh, what stands out to you on the macro perspective here, George? Yeah, Nicole, I mean, if you just look at the, the markets uh, this year, I just want to say resiliency. That's how we can describe how the markets have performed. I mean, from a macro perspective, you name it. And we've got, uh, of course, the pandemic recovery. We've had issues with business continuity. Supply chains have been very disruptive to, uh, to businesses and consumers. Uh, inflation has been an issue. I mean, uh, the other the other thing to keep in mind is is, uh, is is wages and labor markets, which are again still recovering. And, and overall, we're we're really rapidly this year it entered sort of a mid cycle point in our economic cycle. We went down very quick in 2020 and recovered very quick as well in 2021. And despite some of these inflationary challenges and perhaps even some growth challenges as a result of that, markets and stocks and companies from a profitability standpoint have been very very resilient. And I think. The other thing to keep in mind is, is we've seen some volatility in interest rates and even a rapid recovery from uh, growth to value, which, again, really started back in February of this year and continues into the end of the year. And I think if you look at uh, countries like China, the United States markets have significantly outperformed those markets, where in China they're down 20-plus percent in bear markets this year, and the U.S. markets have really uh, essentially uh, gotten away with a performance uh, which has far exceeded the emerging markets, China, and even the developed, work, developed markets like Europe. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see whether or not we can bring it uh, for next year, because we've certainly seen not only growth for this year, but also for the last few years, right? When you look at the returns that we've seen, um, I was looking for 2019, right? S&P 500 returned 31.5% in 2019. 18 and a half percent in 2020 and of course double digits again this year so people are expecting continued gains but maybe slower right and we'll have to look at some of each of the sectors but a quick thought on gains but just slower yeah i think yeah that's an excellent point to bring up i think if you look at the last few years and even if you just sort of were you know turn a blind eye to what happened in march of 2020 and, and the recovery that commenced afterwards, people might be expecting a little bit more than the markets might provide going forward because you also have to think about what's happened policy-wise. We had massive fiscal expansion, massive monetary expansion. I mean, the Fed's balance sheet now exceeds about $8.7 trillion. Now they are winding down the expansion of that balance sheet, which also might wind down uh, some of the liquidity that's been ample in the marketplace to actually afford companies to, uh, to pay back debt, refinance debt, even buy back shares, pay dividends, and so forth. So I think it's a, it's a great point. You know, the markets, uh, you know, right now have been relatively volatile because of the Fed policy pivot, which is a little bit more hawkish in nature. There is an expectation of interest rate hikes starting next year at some point in time in 2022. And all these things can certainly create a, a, a situation where the markets, performance-wise, might perform uh, in the green, in other words, end to end for 2020, I'm sorry, 2022, but maybe the performance mm -hmm. might not necessarily be what people have been expecting in the last few years, as you mentioned, which have been fantastic re returns, despite a lot of the challenges that even date back to, you know, December of 2018, when the Fed really, uh, really changed their uh, tone on increasing rates a little oh, bit more yeah. rapidly. 
But since yeah, the we pandemic, got sucker punched. Pandemic, I remember. We've done extremely yes. Well. Yep. Yeah, we got sucker punched. We weren't expecting that, right? It was right around uh, just before Christmas. And then we got in this year, we got the day after Thanksgiving. Those half days can sometimes be very volatile. Let's get to some of the sectors. We have semiconductors. We're following those closely. We had the Micron earnings uh, that everybody was talking about in December. NVIDIA seems to continue to be one of the favorites and strong names. What are you looking for for this group in 2022? So this will be an interesting year for semiconductors. The reason I say that is we know that there's a semiconductor shortage, Nicole, and there might be a little bit of an inventory overhang, maybe perhaps in the second half of 2022. So I think overall, the, if you look at what's happened this year, the standouts have been NVIDIA and AMD. It's not necessarily CPUs or in NVIDIA's case, GPUs. I think they're secular secular tailwinds that are embedded in these companies. Data center growth has been immense for both of these names, particularly NVIDIA. But also, if you look at data visualization, that's a huge theme from an enterprise standpoint. Governments uh, also are big customers of these, uh, of these businesses. And the other thing is, is secular trends. We talk about you know, electric vehicles quite often, especially this last year, but really the theme is connected cars and, and autonomous driving and artificial intelligence as well as data that is utilized in autonomous driving. And I think that's where we'll see the themes continue in the semiconductor space and high demand going forward into 2022. Mm -hmm. But with that said, you know, you have to look at price performance relative to things like valuation and growth. NVIDIA has been a fantastic performer this last year, may continue into 2022, but there may be a point in time where we see an inventory overhang, especially in, uh, in chips that are associated with computers CPUs, maybe memory chips in the flash and, and, and NAND memory space, but also, again, uh, you know, semiconductors, which are now being produced uh, at a rapid clip for the, uh, the uh, automobile space. So, uh, you know, yeah. second half of 2022 might be a little bit of a, of a concern, but going forward, at least in the first half of the year, uh, there still is demand for semiconductors, there's no doubt. Yeah, and Stephen Guilfoyle, Sarge, is a, a friend and a friend of our network, and he was saying about the group, he was buying NVIDIA, AMD, Marvell. Going into the end of the year, he said Micron was close, but it wasn't among his most favorites. So that I thought that was interesting. I want to turn your attention to the automakers. At the same time, by the way, in Barron's, they had the stock picks for 2022, and there was an automaker on it. It was General Motors. It was AT&T, Amazon, Berkshire, GM, Hertz, IBM, J&J, Nordstrom, Royal Dutch Shell, Visa. Okay, so I said it. GM was the one that they had on there. We had on uh, Garrett Nelson, who's a friend of our network from CFRA, and he had buys on Lucid and Ford. So what do you think is going on here with some of the big moves we've been seeing? And he did like what was going on with the Rivian truck. Yeah, so a couple of things to point out. I mean, first off, uh, when I said connected and autonomous drive, connected car and autonomous vehicles, General Motors, and I don't think people, a lot of people recognize this, they are actually one of the leaders in the connected car and autonomous driving space. You got Tesla and you got GM and you've got Google's Waymo division. Those are three major leaders in that space. So I would agree. I think that General Motors should be on Barron's you know, top list for the next year, plus the elements of scalable production of electric vehicles. See, Tesla, as we know, is the, the, the leading brand from an EV space, but they don't necessarily have the unit scalability that a company like General Motors does. So I think there's two technological uh, you know, catalysts for GM, the connected car, but also the EV production uh, capabilities. 
I think uh, trucks and, of course, fleets, those are other areas of growth in the EV space. And that's why I think Ford is in that, is in that, is in that category. Also Rivian. Now, Rivian does have some operational and production challenges in terms of being able to scale up production fast enough. But at, at the end of the day, they're really focused on the EV trucks and the SUV market, but also fleets. And I think that's essentially where Ford also has large market share. So that's perhaps why those two names are also part and parcel of some yeah. analyst upgrades and, and conviction buy lists going into 2022. All right, George Silas, thank you. Always so great to see you in 2021. Can't wait Likewise, to see Nicole. you in 2022. A great year. Thank you, George Silas, contributor to the TD Ameritrade Network.